Hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Commercial Observer's Backstory. I'm your host, Max Gross. On today's agenda, we have an engaging and insightful conversation about the fascinating rise of alternative lenders. I'm joined by Kathy Cunningham, Deputy Editor and Finance Editor, and our finance reporter, Brian Paskus. So if you're keen on getting a deep dive into the world of commercial real estate lending market, non-bank lenders, and the shifting dynamics of the financial ecosystem, you're in the right place. Remember, you can check out the finance power list right now at commercialobserver.com. Now let's dive right into the conversation. Hi, I'm Max Gross, uh, Editor-in-Chief of Commercial Observer, and I'm here today with uh, Kathy Cunningham, our Deputy Editor and our Finance Editor, and with our Finance Reporter, Brian Paskus. Thank you for having me here. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, an aspect that I found very interesting in Power Finance, which was the ascent of alternative lenders. Um, so why would you say alternative lenders were so important to this year's power finance? Well, I'll let Brian speak to this, but you know, I think this is a really interesting time in terms of non-banks' role in the CRE lending markets. We've seen a lot of banks retrench. Uh, this obviously opens up a big opportunity for the alternative lenders. And from Brian's perspective, Brian joined Commercial Observer the day that Signature Bank failed. Yeah. Interesting time, Brian. So, so talk about, you know, talk about, first of all, your, your introduction to CRE finance and also your learning curve in terms of learning about the alternative lending side of the market. Well, it, it was a heck of an introduction, Kathy, because uh, I began a couple hours after Signature Bank collapsed and then my third day Credit Suisse went under. And by Friday, I was asked to write a cover story on it. So it was one of those things where I, I had to sink or swim uh, with the banks, it seemed, because everything was going under. Uh, but what really helped me understand the system was being assigned a feature uh, that same week I started on this alternative lending system. The alternative lenders, you could call them that, debt funds, non-banks, multiple names, they all do the same thing. They are a new source of capital that you get outside of the banking system, whether, you know, typically maybe 20, 30 years ago, you want to, you know, build a building, uh, you get a loan from a Bank of America or a Continental Bank or a Chase. Well, here you are in 2023 and you have a cornucopia of alternative lenders that you could go to. And uh, there's probably 40, 50, uh, 60 of them across the United States. And they've grown exponentially in the last 15 years. Um, and, and the reason they've grown exponentially is because it seems kind of like nature abhors a vacuum. It seems that uh, so does uh, alternative lending. It, it wants to fill the void when capital shrinks. And the alternative lenders really emerged out of the 2008 global financial crisis. And they um, were uh, necessary because you had uh, multiple uh, you know, the bank failures, and you had a, a massive pullback in, in credit and liquidity in the system. And yet it didn't end. The system needed to keep going. There still needed to be real estate projects. There still needed to be uh, financings. And you had uh, a world where, with quantitative easing where interest rates were less than 1%, and they would be that way for almost 10 years. So what happens in that type of system? You have new sources of uh, loan originations being birthed by financiers who don't necessarily work for the banks. Maybe the banks went under. They start their own firms. And you had this creation of the alternative lending system. So it first began at these big names people are pretty familiar with, Starwood, you know, Apollo, Brookfield, Fortress. They're the first you know, wave of alternative lenders coming out of the 2008 crisis. But during the, the, the decade plus of quantitative easing, you had new alternative lenders form. 
and and now the system is is really uh, just it's proliferated with uh, sources of capital uh, for projects and mezzanine financing, bridge loans, construction loans, anything you name it, uh, investment, asset management, uh, investor relations, specializations across asset classes. These alternative lenders really do provide it, and it's very impressive how the system has has gone from being let's say five billion in originations of alternative lending financing in 2008 to probably over 100 billion in 2022. I know that a lot of the non-banks you've been speaking with have not been shy in terms of telling you like all the great things they've been doing recently in this market, but um, what are some of the conversations that you've had with them? What have they been like and what are some of the key points they're pointing out in terms of their role in this market? I think when they talk about their role, what comes across again and again is because so many of them are smaller than traditional banks, regional banks, big banks, whatever you want to say, these alternative lenders really hone in on their specialization, that they're lean, mean lending machines, and then that they really do have uh, a sense of expertise across regions, and then asset classes, and then in terms of uh, financialization uh, maneuvers, uh, in terms of loan originations and investments. So I've been impressed just talking with them in terms of how they, you know, pump themselves up. And granted, they're speaking with a reporter, so they're going to want to make themselves seem as good as they can. But uh, they really do, uh, all the alternative lenders I've spoken with, hammer in on this fact that, you know, our cat, we are not the same business model of a bank. A bank is, you know, borrow short, lend long, okay? These alternative lenders say, you know, our capital is totally different. We are borrow long, lend long. You know, you're, we're not going to have our deposits pulled out, you know, from under us. We're not going to have a run on an alternative lender. Y- you could have something like that, but because their deposit base is so different, whether it's the, their money is coming from, you know, family offices, insurance companies, pension funds, high net worth individuals looking to put their money together with, you know, highly seasoned professionals who are going to find opportunities for them to grow their capital, whereas a bank is going to have deposits from small businesses, mom and pops, Joe Schmo and Amy Mo, whatever you want to say, it's going to be a different type of capital source than a bank will have. So they really kind of hammer in on the fact that their business model is is, is really different than banks and is more flexible in an environment now that we have with the combination of technology and finance that makes bank runs only a few clicks away. Some of these alternative lenders do rely on a lot of banks, right? I mean, they, they, they do yeah. rely on banks as, as, as a source of capital. Well, tell, tell them, Kathy or Brian, you know, how did this factor into your thinking in terms of how they would be ranked? Would the ones that do requ- rely on banks, um, they suffer for that? Definitely. I, mean, I think, you know, we're, we're def- definitely asking everybody on the list, you know, how they're financing themselves. Like, are they relying on leverage? Where's that leverage coming from? It's been a big part of our ranking for sure. And not, all non-banks are not created equal. I think there are they're, they're definitely some, some of the non-banks that we speak with and we rank have very different sources of capital compared with other ones. So um, it's been a really, you know, interesting list in terms of us digging down into how some of these firms are capitalized in, the, in themselves, because that's ultimately going to almost predict their future success in terms of how they're financing themselves. Uh, Brian, anything to add there? I mean, I think it's also important to understand, like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm doubting the power of the, the traditional banking system. The the numbers that traditional banks do, investment banks, even regional banks, really do uh, exceed what alternative lenders uh, put out in terms of loan originations and, and investments. So, you know, it's it, the banking system is still very strong, very powerful, very impressive. I think all we're pointing out is is that the alternative lending system has grown exponentially, and is 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 improving by the year. 
It's becoming more sure of itself. It's becoming more attached to the larger financial ecosystem. It's drawing in more talent coming out of the business schools or the banks or the organizations. It's becoming stronger. And I think that any non-bank on our list would also tell you the importance of the banking system and how we need, as an industry, we need an operating banking system to continue. We can't rely purely on the non-bank lenders by any means. Well, no, yeah, because most people don't, you know, even they don't know what an alternative lender is. And it's just not, it's very kind of insular in a way. Exactly. And I think, I think another thing is that another opportunity for the non-banks today is to really almost kind of upgrade their, their loan portfolios in terms of, they really are, a lot of them are being able to have the, the pick when it comes to deals that are coming their way. Whereas normally they'd be competing with a lot of the banks uh, for deals, but just now they really can cherry pick the best borrowers, the best deals, the best growth markets, and really upgrade their own portfolio uh, in the context of this, whatever you want to call it, market opportunity that's, um, that we're, is happening right now. Absolutely. Who broke onto the list for the first time? Um, MSD Partners is one firm that we haven't historically featured, but this year they are on. Um, they did $4 billion this past year, which is a pretty impressive amount. Uh, so obviously Michael Dell's company. Uh, we also see them showing up for deals. Um, we, we've actually covered a lot of their deals recently, and these seem to be a consistent force uh, this past year in terms of our reporting. Okay, well, um, this was great. Thank you so much, guys. For Commercial Observer, this is Max Gross. This is Brian Paskus. And this is Kathy Cunningham. All right, see you next time. Well, that wraps up our insightful discussion today. My heartfelt thanks to Kathy and Brian for their enlightening thoughts and valuable contributions. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Remember, for all of the finance enthusiasts out there, you can check out our finance power list right now at commercialobserver.com. And don't forget to sign up for Kathy's weekly finance newsletter, a must-read every Thursday. Until next time, this is Max Gross with Commercial Observer. Goodbye.